Welcome to episode number three of Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast. My name is Clark Freilich, and sitting across from me is the incredibly talented and knowledgeable Clyde Gaw. Today we are podcasting from the backroom studios inside the art room of Sugar Creek Elementary. In today's podcast, we will discuss assessment in the choice-based art room. How can we assess our students in this data-driven age? Clyde, welcome. What's going on? Clark, I've been looking at the topic of assessment daily. Uh, I, you know, it's it's always something that is uh, occupies a space in my thought, and being a teacher, sensitive to um, um, uh, the, the the concept of assessment. How can assessment be um, beneficial in in my daily practice? Um, you know, you and I have had many conversations about assessment. Um, we're constantly assessing people, uh, students uh, in our room, uh, with you know being connoisseurs, each of us with uh, a, a certain amount of knowledge about art and art education. You know, you and I are, are constantly assessing the uh, the activities, the the content of art, uh, activities of children, uh, meaningful learning, whether or not you know learning experience that's going on is is uh, uh, going to be beneficial to children. Some uh, thinking about how we provide opportunity for students to assess their own learning, thinking about how we provide children with opportunity to engage in metacognitive thinking uh, also uh, on, on our minds. So assessment, a very big topic um, for a practitioner. Yeah, it's, it always seems to be one of those topics that comes up as someone is transitioning into a tab from... Uh, from a teacher-centered or teacher-driven uh, curriculum or mode to a student-driven, you know, there it's a larger issue that um, engaged learner, the the book from Kathy and Diane, but it really sets out a good parameters for what assessment looks like in the TED classroom. Um, they they talk about multiple modes of assessment uh-huh. not giving tests you know no. that type of assessment has no in my opinion no place in an art room um, the kids get enough of that no they're <laughs> and it's funny because um, I think it was Alfie Cohn uh-huh. said um, students who are are graded or they're they're different from uh, students who aren't in, in three ways, and, and one of them is that they're more likely to lose interest uh-huh. in the learning. Um, they're not going to learn. They'll forget what they learn. Uh-huh. They tend to... And that's that's a big shift for kids when they get into the art room, and it's like, wow, you know, you know those summative assessments 
that's the right word, summative? Yeah, uh, yeah so, summative assessments, like, you know, a big, um, a big assessment event <coughs> that reveals um, the content that's been learned. Uh, in a tab classroom, you think about, um, you know, what's going on in the child's regular classroom while they're getting a lot of information processing activities that they're being tasked to do. And, and when I say information processing, they're either doing uh, word problems or uh, reading and, uh, and then multiple choice assessments or uh, doing mathematical problems. They're tasked with learning and then doing a more uh, uh, kinds of selected response assessments uh, in the classroom. And they're constantly being tasked by the teacher. So they're... So so in a tab classroom, teachers, tab teachers very cognizant of that fact. And so in, in the tab setting, we are providing children with all kinds of opportunity to uh, experience the power of their ideas. And so uh, using art materials, art content, um, art methodology. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you ex assess... Uh, what is going on with with this kind of learning, which is uh, which is much different from a traditional data driven uh, classroom, uh, <laughs> traditional classroom. It's it's funny whenever I talk to teachers, they're you know they're they're so focused on data. You know, it's like we have to do PLCs because we have to look at data and we have to figure out. You know, it's almost like they're scientists and that they have all of this data then they can make or prescribe what the child needs uh -huh. and which is again counterintuitive to what we do where the child is in charge and then we sit back as observers uh, which is another you know way of assessing we observe a lot uh -huh. um, and notice you know we get to know our kids through our observations you know how are they problem solving or how are they finding solutions or where are they struggling um, and that's that's something that we do constantly absolutely and and so like you say most of our assessments is going taking place through uh, observation mm -hmm. and like like I said uh, and we were talking earlier, you know, we look at children as individuals and we think about differences of their mind. And so putting them through a assessment tool that standardizes their outputs and their whatever kinds of creative events or creative products they might provide, standardizing assessment in the art room I think does the children and the program a disservice. I'll, I'll just put it out there right right there. It just depends on the child. We have to customize assessments, uh, and that's why getting back to you were meant talking about uh, multiple modes of assessment and uh, multiple kinds of assessments. Um, but the most handy one for, I think for us, is teacher observation. And, uh, and then of course, you know, exhibition, to, to see what children can actually do. Uh, that's an important assessment tool, uh, our exhibitions. That's, that, in my mind, is where the rubber hits the road. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, when, when you and I do an exhibition, they're pretty 
major events. Right. And and so, uh, but other kinds of assessment going on in tab classrooms, uh, self-assessment opportunities for children where they're writing uh, either reflective statements in a portfolio or uh, uh, an artist statement, which artist statements uh, are so profound many times. And I know I've actually heard some children, it's sad to say, I've actually heard some children tell me they don't want to write an artist statement because they don't like writing. And so I always try to tell them, well, you know, a lot of artists do provide, particularly professional artists who write on their uh, websites or in a gallery setting, they'll write artist statements about their, their, their art. So it's not that far of a stretch to ask a child to write an artist statement. It, we, we both have worked a long time pioneering this electronic portfolio. Since 1997. Since 1997. And back then it was it was a lot harder to, um, to get kids. I mean, not really that hard, but we had access to computers, but technology today has really made it a lot easier for kids to write artist statements or, you know, in my case, even record their voice. If yeah. they don't want to write, they can record thoughts about their their process, but you know it's different for me as an elementary teacher than you as a high school student. The, the writing is probably more precise and more thought provoking, uh, or deeper when, when has deeper meaning. But we can still pull a lot of good information just from talking with the student yes. or you know interviewing that student. Just a thirty second discussion yeah. about. A piece of artwork, and as opposed to, you know, making a, a more formal artist statement. Um, but it's still hard to get kids to write artist statements because I just think they're uncomfortable writing them. It's you know, it's still very personal to them. Absolutely, and and if you think about what what you're asking the child to do when they're writing an artist statement is taking written language and. Um, here's a fifty dollar word: transmogrifying visual experience. How can I in, write? Let me write that. Into down. He trans, transmogrify, transmogrify visual experience into written experience. And for a little child, that's kind of difficult to do. And it's good practice for later on. Right. And, when, and particularly in a tab classroom, as you and I know, when children experience the power of their minds in a tab classroom and creative experience they sometimes will go off with their with their statements, and they can write some pretty compelling statements. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's just getting to that point where they're comfortable with that thought process. But once they understand that they're not being judged on it, uh, then, yeah, because then it, it ten, tends to open up a door that, that they like to go through. Absolutely, and, and, and they see the power of their words then. Right. And getting them to write... You know, thinking about, okay, I'll go back to what's going on in a regular classroom, and they're getting, and I hate to say this, but it's true, one of the reasons they're reluctant to write in the art room is because they're getting ranked and judged well, the whole constantly. Room, the whole room is probably segregated by how well they write. And, and, and so they're being assessed constantly uh, about their writing in a regular classroom. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's... We have reluctant artist statement writers in, in when we ask children to write reflectively about their art. Yeah, it always kind of bothered me when teachers who are new to TAB and haven't been exposed to a lot of student work, you know, they're, they're still stuck trying to figure out, you know, 
you know, they, they call it trite, they call it, it's not very meaningful. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it always bothered me that they can't get past that that judgment, that adult level of judgment that this isn't is expected or, you know, you, you have to, it takes a while to get kids to to do that. A lot of teachers get frustrated because either the work is not what they think, yeah. you know, it's not what they're used to. You know, they're still applying adult um, um, standards. Standards, thank you. Yeah. Um, to the work and to the writing, and you know, we're we're, we're investigating art and exploring art with six-year-olds and yeah. seven-year-olds. And, and <laughs> well, there, you know, when a child makes draws a heart on their on a piece of paper or a rainbow or a rainbow. Um, that's a powerful symbol to them, and it comes from uh, deep within their emotional realm, mm -hmm. and that's a powerful symbol and a powerful experience. Also, to experience the freedom to make that image in in a school setting, and um, so it's uh, liberating for the child. They experience freedom to 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 express what they want to express in the school setting, and so an art teacher who doesn't who you know. I have to realize our teachers who negate uh, a child's self-expression are playing with fire. And so I would always have a conversation with a child, you know, that's a you know, that's a fascinating symbol. You know, and and I would tell I would tell them, well, you know, if you really want to make your symbol even more fascinating or interesting, you know, you can do some overlapping shapes. And maybe add some adds value to the shape, or do some make some other m marks around these uh, these symbols, and so we can embellish it and and uh, refine it and make it even more uh, more uh, powerful of a symbol for the child. So they, you know, that would segue to more learning about art because now we're talking about overlapping shapes, talking about value talking about uh, a way of learning that's now we're, we're going into emergent curriculum. So if we can do an overlapping shape with more hearts, to add more, more hearts here, and you know we're doing creating repetition, uh, doing all kinds of interesting things to, the, to this heart picture, quote unquote, um, or this rainbow picture, you know. Um, now we can we can use that as a starting point, and we can go into new areas, and that's where the teacher uh, expands the children's the child's thought process. Yeah, it is. A, it's a good starting place. I mean, you can you can look at kids, and and they have a a set number of symbols that they're familiar with. As an art teacher, you recognize those, helping them expound on that and express different ideas through that either through um, you know experimentation different media trying new things um, and then the student voice will start to develop over time now it's not something that's going to happen in one or two weeks and and I've learned that it might take six or seven years you know I might not see a student grow until they've gone through years and uh -huh. finally it finally sinks in and they're like oh I, you know now I get it. Uh -huh. You know, it just takes time. It's it's really hard to control a lot of meaningful learning uh -huh. for students because they're all individuals. Yes. And and so different that um, any standardized test is is not 
a valid test. It's it's yeah I we. Uh, so many variables that are not controlled on standardized tests, and that's why uh, they're, uh, well, I can't, I can't get started on that. Um, but, uh, but standardizing art experience, uh, I think, uh, does a disservice to, first of all, f to the teacher, uh, because the teacher is going to naturally want to customize experience, because um, knowing that Children are come into school with natural endowments and uh, experiences that affect that those endowments that that uh, the the school faculty cannot you know we can't uh, affect what you know those inborn endowments um, except to work with them because we take children as they as they you know as they come to us so. Um, uh, thinking about customizing assessments, having multiple forms of assessments to uh, to provide a, a, a as accurate a picture of the kinds of learning that goes on in a tab classroom, you know that's that's what we we have found is most beneficial to us in, in our practice. Right. Well, I've noticed that I take an awful lot of notes in class. I know you photograph a lot of artwork. You know, I as well, and it's important as to have teachers that we use the tools that are available to us to help us. And in my classroom or in my school, I have over 850 kids. Yeah. I need something that's going to be relatively easy for me to get to that's useful for me. Now, I use an iPad uh -huh. to take notes. I, also, I use a, a program called Notability. Uh, it's kind of a, a hybrid. I kind of borrowed it from Diane Jakewith. And her little notebooks. She used to have little notebooks for each class. Uh, but I have a one electric notebook that I can take notes per class and uh -huh. take pictures and document and say, you know, this is the student has discovered this, or you know, this class as a whole really needs to focus on something here, you know. So, and then just to to have that ongoing dialogue with myself, uh -huh. it makes it a, a good tool for me to use. And I know that you take pictures a lot. I don't know about how you, I know your assessment in high school is probably a little bit different because you have the kids do self-assessment a lot with. We're using Google Sites, Google Slides, um, Weebly, um, and PowerPoint. So they have the, that option of uh, creating a portfolio, their own port working portfolios. They are required to do, to make two images per month and write two statements for those images and turn them into me every every month and I, I send them back feedback uh, either in class or uh, written feedback so so then there's also the working portfolio that I keep which is you know the pictures I take and uh, and notes I might take and and also correspondence that I have with the with the students via uh, our classroom learning management system and so, oh, that's right. You guys use Canvas. Yes. So we have so we have ongoing dialogue. We have ongoing um, documentation of student work with photography, and and um, and with the portfolios, where every month they're required to do a reflection on their process and their experiences. You know, we get we have. Uh, a uh, ongoing conversation about what they're doing. Every student, on ongoing, uh, complicated conversations.
Yeah, never, never easy. You know, it's similar to, you know, when we start looking at uh, portfolios, it's amazing how the electronic portfolio has changed over the last 20 years. Uh-huh. You know, I use an app called Seesaw, uh-huh. which is an online learning journal uh, where the kids, it's, it's so easy that I pretty much, you know, let the kids do it themselves uh-huh. as young as kindergarten. Cause they That's can, amazing. They can take an iPad and, and scan a QR code for their classroom, uh-huh. and then all they have to do is snap a picture <laughs> wow. and save it to their own journal. With a couple clicks here and there, they can share it on a blog uh-huh. if they want to share it to a larger audience. Uh, and then their parents are notified that they've shared something. So then their parents have that you know real-time this is what you know, little Johnny or little Jimmy is doing. Parents are really, parents are really excited when they get to share in the in their young children's education. Exactly, and and then the parents can then comment, of course, you know, you know, on their kids' work. Kids are like, "Wow, this is awesome!" And then they want to go back and make more. Uh-huh. And we're all about making more. Yeah. You know, we're all makers. We need to, to continue to make. Right. And it's the creativity cycle is ongoing, and one idea leads to another and when you get into the habit of uh, when when you experience the cascading effect of nomadic learning which is which is what artists do you know it's they they are on their own pathways and once you get experienced like at rhizome <laughs> it's the interconnectedness of 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 art to uh, to all the other f- fields of study in school and and like you say it's a rhizomatic uh experience transdisciplinary and so so you need multiple forms of assessment to get a good snapshot of of the kinds of learning that's going on because it's a there's a lot of learning going on in a tab classroom right lots of learning lots of learning and and paper and pencil just doesn't cut it no 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 uh uh Multiple choice just does not cut it. It just doesn't. Um, uh, thinking about uh, what children bring to the art room, and they they create new experiences based on their prior knowledge. The only way to really capture that is with alternative forms of assessment, and um, and so you have to have you have to be knowledgeable in portfolio development. I think uh, putting on you know exhibitions. Um, Having students write reflectively and and being a, an astute observer of what's going on in the classroom, those will serve a tab teacher well. Because then it all wraps in together. Uh, I did want to talk about the the dreaded SLO, where the student learning outcome. Yes. That so many of us have to do for our own evaluation. Yes, for t- teacher accountability. Right. Uh, a lot of teachers freak because. They're looking for a data piece in a TAD classroom. We're not all about data. Um, But I know that you have formulated and shared many times your process to get data from a process that that you used when you were in elementary. And I've borrowed that and used it for the last five years. It seems to work really well. Maybe you could uh, share where you got the idea and what it is. Well, it's using numerical data to assess student growth, creative growth, in a TAB classroom. And that, that really was the result of just having conversations with you for the past 20 years 
about kids and creativity and you know we could get kids to we you and I would talk about their child's growth you know how do we measure it well we we can measure it and of course you know reading about Grant Wiggins uh, and uh, his creativity rubric and he had an article that said yes you can assess creativity sort of sort of um, because it's it all can about change. the growth yeah, yeah. <laughs> You notice how everything is now growth mindset, you know, and we've been dealing with it for the last 20 years, but now everyone's coming around us. Uh, oh, we got to study on the growth mindset, you know, we yeah. can no longer test outcomes, it has to be growth. Well, sometimes, sometimes with respect to individuals and the human condition, sometimes the growth, growth is not always a clear linear path, and sometimes it can zigzag all over the place. And uh, it more may... likely than not, it is zigzagging all over the place, <laughs> which is messy, and which is why administrators don't like it that much. But because you can't test it, they want a paper test, and it's... yeah, they they want measurable uh, measurable outcomes uh, and predictive outcomes. Well, we can we can predict in a tab classroom using a Wiggins rubric if you have the if you. Take a photograph of a child's work early in the semester and then take a photograph of their work at the end of the semester or, or at another point later on in the semester. You will see differences that typically reflect growth. And, uh, and if you use Wiggins, Wiggins' rubric to measure it, you know, they'll, go, they'll go up a point or two, sometimes more. And so that's a significant leap in creative growth from my, uh, from my thinking. If now, you're looking for a specific thing, now I, I like to play a little bit of the devil's advocate because having to explain it to a principal or someone who is not from an art background, there's some development in there that's natural development uh-huh. that really doesn't have anything to do with the teacher. So as a kid develops in his own right, he is going to improve, but a lot of times if you specifically say, you know, I introduce perspective or overlapping or something like that, and so I'm specifically looking for those clues for the development, you know, how much effect did I have on the student's right. artwork, you know, so you can go from that point of view. The child is exposed in your classroom to all kinds of stimuli and inspirational experience mm-hmm. uh, that there's can be no denial in my mind, that there's a beneficial, I, I want to say, experience from being for that child. Uh, you know, you can't you can't just say, well, this you know this growth is the result of natural uh, phenomena. No, you can't. There are some people who will try to say that for the small edges, there is some developmental growth as a as a child is exposed to. A large variety in the, in the classroom, uh-huh. like a tab classroom, uh, in that studio environment where creativity is exploding all over the place. Yeah. As you are, even as adults, you are more creative when you're around creative people. So right. in that creative environment, the teacher might not have any effect, but the classroom in the environment in the process will have an effect. Absolutely. That's the power of the stuff that we like to, to really hook on to and say, you've really got it. You're really moving in the direction you need to go. Absolutely. And the other big point is that this growth is consensual. And it's not, uh, we, 
you know, it, it is done with uh, on the child's terms. At least that's that's a situation that I know is happening in your program and my program. We're we're providing all kinds of opportunity for uh, the child to have a say in what they're doing. Um, yeah, we could we could create a structure where we'd limit the choices or give no choice at all. You know, we could use rewards and punishments to uh, force a child to make art. Um, but that would be, in my mind, not conducive to, to long -term, a, a long-term cognitive benefit. And I know that from a, a learning standpoint, if it's not the child's own ideas or their own uh, conceptions, if the child does not have ownership of the activity, it's quite possibly going to go in one ear and out the other. And, and so consensual learning, in, in my mind, is, is a critical aspect of a TAB program, a TAB classroom. Because if you look at the way the rest of learning is going on in the school setting, there's not that opportunity for choice in what, what they're doing. There might be a small, some, some leeway, in, in other areas, but to my knowledge, what I'm seeing in schools throughout the country and what I'm reading about and what's going on in any other classroom settings, there's not much choice going on. But in a tab classroom, that is um, a feature. Learning is consensual. You have an abundant curriculum where lots of opportunity for all kinds of learning taking place. So having the multiple techniques and modes of assessment uh, in a tab classroom, I think, you know, vital and very important. Oh, absolutely. You can just look at a student's schedule. 8 o'clock, they're learning math. At 9 o'clock, they're doing language arts. How many times did you sit there? I don't want to do it. I'm, I want to make art. And I go to the art room, you know, and they, they tell you, they, I wish I could stay here. And we're like, yeah, we wish you could too. We, we have to cycle you in and cycle the right. next group in and cycle you out. <laughs> We and should start a tab school. <laughs> we can get a charter because then. <laughs> well, we have kind of like tab school when we do blocks, paper, scissors, summer art camp. That's true. That is. We have our own, and it's very successful. We have, we, what, last summer we had like 50, 50 kids, 60 kids? Yeah. It we was a zoo. Yeah, for we two started, weeks. It was awesome. We started out in 2011 with. I think at Blocks, Paper, Scissors camp, when we first started, we had like 20 kids. Now we're up to like... We had 20 kids spread over a month. And now we've and got... And now we've got 60 kids over two weeks. No, that was over a week. Yeah. Morning and afternoon, that's right. And we're just serving this district. Yeah. So um, so we know TAB, from, from our own qualitative evidence, I mean, it's very uh, profound what we see with with um, children's uh, statements and uh, with behaviors and with the growth of our own program in, in, in the summer with Blocks, Paper, Scissors Camp, which is primarily a tab. I right. mean, it is a tab setup with a, uh, an, an enriched curriculum that offers all kinds of abundance. Is there anything else you want to add? Any Gosh, advice I'm... to the newbies out there, to the, to the young and the impressionable... I think I would just say, you know, do a lot of reading on, you know, Midwest tab 
the uh, Facebook page. Um, take a lot of notes. Do a lot of listening. Talk to the kids because you can learn so much just from a 30-second interview talking to them about how they got their idea, what's their next step. Try to get them to talk about their art because once they're comfortable talking about their art, it's going to make it easier for them to write about their art. The, the, the three-sentence curriculum of TAB, which is... Student what, is the artist. Stu, student is the artist. But looking at the question of what do artists do? What do artists do? What do artists do? And that is a, you know, that is a big, big-picture question. Uh, and then, of course, the art room is the studio, and child is artist. Right. So the, the three-sentence curriculum of TAB means you've got... A lot of, uh, you, you need some assessment tools that will help provide a good picture of what's going on with, with respect to uh, the, the different kinds of learning in there. Because what do, the question, what do artists do? Well, I mean, if you look at artists like Harold Fletcher, what does, oh, Her, no, what does Harold, Fletcher, Harold Fletcher Harold Fletcher does all kinds of social practice as an artist, you know, and so he trends, he goes beyond the traditional studio setting kind of you know, artist experience. And then, of course, there, I mean, you look at art in the 21st century, you look at art, artists on Art 21, oh my goodness, there, you know, there's all kinds, you know, art is a big, big subject. And it's so transdisciplinary that you have to have multiple ways of assessing, uh, assessing the experience that goes on in, in a tab classroom. Absolutely. Just a reminder to our listeners, if you have a question or topic you'd like Clyde or me to discuss, just email it to us at cgaw at blockspaperscissors.com. That's C-G-A-W at symbol B-L-O-C-K-S-P-A-P-E-R-S-C-I-S-S-O-R-S dot com. You can also record a question on your mobile device and send it to us as well. Thank you all for listening to Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast.